So hopefully you're there in Hebrews chapter 10. There are a bunch of Hebrew men and women and their temptation was to go back to their old ways. To go back to their old religion. To go back to the old way that they used to live. And that's a temptation for each and every one of us. That as we get started with the Lord and we're growing, we can face different trials or different temptations. And even like the disciples, things got tough. And what did they say? I go efficient, right? I'm going back to the old way. I'm going back to my old lifestyle. And the author of Hebrews is encouraging them, exhorting them, hey, don't go back. Jesus is better than absolutely everything and anything that you could be turning back to. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, we'll get context running into Hebrews 11. And it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have a need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe To the saving of the soul. Again, the author of Hebrews, he's warning them, hey, don't lose your confidence. There's great reward if you keep your confidence. And we have need of endurance. We need patience. We need long suffering. Because it's not just you do the will of God one moment and then we receive the promise of heaven. But it's days and weeks and years and decades before we really get to see him face to face so don't lose that endurance and now he tells us in verse 38 how are we to live we are to live by faith not drawing back because if we draw back to our old lifestyle if we draw back to the old ways it tells us my soul has no pleasure in him and that word draw back it's someone who cowers or shrinks away someone who conceals away Truly, it's someone who's unwilling to utter the truth because of fear. Someone who shrinks back from declaring the truth. And family, we have no part in shrinking back. We are not of those who shrink back. We are of those who press forward and press into things. You go through the book of Acts, the disciples, every time there was a trial, every time there was a rough season... They didn't draw back. They didn't quit. But because of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being in the Word of God, they pressed on even further. Again, don't go back to your old lifestyle, but press into God until the day that we get to see him face to face. And again, there in verse 39, the author of Hebrews, he was confident. He says, hey, you guys are not those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. And I pray you watching, that's the group that you're a part of, not of those who are drawing back in this time, but we are of those who in this season, we've never shared the gospel more. We've never grown more in our walk with the Lord. We've never read our Bible more. We've never listened to more Bible studies than ever before because we're pressing in to God when things get tough, right? That's who we should be. That's what a believer should be, right? An overcomer, not a coward. When you're picking teams for sports, hey, I love that guy. He's a coward. He loves quitting halfway through the game. Yeah, first round pick. No, that's not the guy you want. I can think of now in the NFL free agency. There's a couple guys. They should be picked. They should be signed. They should be making millions of dollars, but they haven't. Why? They're a loose cannon. 
They quit on their team. People don't want them for that. So for us, we're not of those who should be quitting or giving up. We are those who are pressing in more and more. And that's what the author of Hebrews was confident of. Hey, you group of believers, I'm confident that you are those who have endurance, who are going to press into the Lord more and more till the day we see him face to face. And now he wants to encourage them and remind them, right? Hey, that's not who we are, but we are chapter 11. Many Bible scholars call it the hall of faith, right? The best of the best, the biggest steps of faith, the greatest men of God. And this truly is, I think, for many believers, their favorite chapter in the whole Bible. And uh, I was misguided or blinded. I kept telling Amanda, I think I want to do the whole chapter in one night, right? And then the more I studied, then I think I want to do half the chapter in one night. And then the more I studied, I don't know if we're going to get through 10 verses tonight. Uh, but let's see what happens. This is a good chapter to be able to sit and wait on. But this reminds me of the heart that we should have for the Lord. The heart that we should have of what we should want to be as a father, as a son, as a mom, as a daughter, as a believer of the Lord. Who do you want to be? Do you strive to be mediocre or are you striving to be Lord? I want to be the absolute best I can be for you. And it doesn't matter how you were raised doesn't matter who you once were. All that matters is today, are you truly saying, Lord, here my send me as long as it's mediocre? Or Lord, here my send me no matter what the cost. Jim Elliott, Lord, I pray one day my name can be there next to his, right? George Mueller, Lord, Paul, John, Peter, I hope one day I can be like them. And the things we love and enjoy, we don't say, hey, I want to be like the mediocre people. We all say, no, I want to be like the best of the best. A couple of years ago, we first started our youth cafe at the church, and I, I fell down this deep, dark hole of finding what was the best or most perfect coffee like, right? I started Googling, what is the perfect cup of coffee? And I realized it costs lots of money or you need lots of equipment, but it was a deep dive, and I dove into it head first. And now, if you've been to my house or if I've ever taken you out for coffee, you may think I'm weird or crazy, especially on vacation, the miles I'll drive for it. Uh, but hey, that's what I strive for. Hey, this is something I enjoy. This is something I love. I want the best of the best. And as we go through the book of Hebrews, truly that's what we have here, the best of the best. And this is what we should say, Lord, make me like this person. right? Lord, make me a David. Lord, make me a Peter. Lord, make me a Judas. No, right? You don't hear that very often, right? May that truly be our heart's desire. Lord, I want to be the best I can be. And here's the great hope for us. Here's the great assurance for us is all these men, all these women were jacked up. They're all messed up. The, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's beautiful because God only mentions the steps of faith they took. And when we do things in faith truly for the Lord, it's all blessing. It's all good. It's all good fruit. So he doesn't look at David and say, yeah, he was with Bathsheba. He was with so-and-so. Moses, yeah, he smacked the rock. He showed the wrong side of me to the people like I was this God of anger and mad at them and disgusted of them. So I punished him and he couldn't see the promised land. No, that's not what he talks about. All he talks about is the work they did for the Lord through faith in their relationship with God. And that's, that should be a joy and a blessing to us. Noah, he was a great man of God. He messed up terribly. Abraham, he was a great man of God. 
He should have been a better protector of his home, right? He should have made better decisions with his wife and her slave, right? And yet the Lord still uses him. And he says, hey, that is my friend. He's the friend of God. So that's great hope for us. You don't have to be perfect, but are you willing? Are you taking those steps of faith for God? We read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And now this will give us the final context for all of chapter 11. And it tells us, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this portion of scripture, man, it messes me up because these are our people. The men and women we look at through Hebrews 11, this is our family. These are the people that we're looking to. This is Abuela. This is Theo. These are the people that have gone before us and they stand true as a testimony saying, Hey, Zach, if we could do these things through the Lord, so can you. If we could withstand trials, if we could withstand being martyrs for the sake of the gospel, so can you. If we gave up family, if we gave up homes, if we gave up comfort, so can you. And the list goes on and on. And this is, should be drawing us to saying, Lord, take more of me. Lord, I'm, I'm all in, Lord. I'm not going to be here and be an accountant when it comes to my walk with you. Lord, I'm going to be a man of faith. Trusting you, counting the cost, but trusting in you more than the numbers. That's what it takes. That's the cost. And we need to run this race. Again, we find that word endurance. It's not a short sprint. It's not 30 seconds. It's a long distance run with the Lord. And where is our aim? Where is our focus? It's on Christ Jesus. Because even though these people, they, they were great and they were incredible, man, they still messed up. But we have Jesus who we can look to, who we can run to, who has been tempted in every way as we have, yet he came out perfect, right? Our perfect high priest, our perfect sacrifice, the perfect temple in heaven. Look unto Jesus. So now we go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and now verse 1 through 3. It tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance, it's something that stands under. You could think of a foundation. And a good foundation, it's not just on the surface, right? If someone built your wall, hopefully they didn't just throw a two-by-four on top of the floor and then frame out your house. No, they put anchors into the ground. They put anchors into the concrete. The concrete has anchors into the floor. And now our faith, it's what's dug deep and what holds up the hope, right? Faith is what stands underneath our hope. And our hope 
is the things in our future. We need faith, but we also need to have hope. Our faith is only as strong as what our faith is in, what our hope is in. Right? Many people, they take it out of context and they just think, hey, I just need tons of faith. doesn't matter what it's in, but I just need tons of faith and it's going to happen. God's going to make it happen. No, our faith just simply needs to be in God to the point where Jesus says, how much faith do you need? Right? A grain of a mustard seed. Just a, a little tiny piece of sand. But if our faith is in the Lord and he wills it, he's going to do whatever he wills in our lives. But we need to have that faith. Again, it's the foundation. Faith is what stands underneath our hope. And our hope is in the things in our future. Which should be what? It should be the rapture. right? Hopefully that's the next thing that we're looking towards to. Lord, please come soon. Maranatha, Lord, come Jesus. I hope that's where you're at. That you're saying, Lord, this world is crazy. It's messed up. I don't know if I can live like this any longer. Lord, may you please come. But if not, I'm going to run hard after you. Right? Hopefully your hope is in the wedding feast. That we're going to be able to sit there with Christ in a perfect meal that has no calories. right? And be able to sit with him and eat with him and see the one that died for our sins. To, that we'll no longer be looking through this mirror dimly, but we'll be able to see him face to face. Is that where your hope is at? Is that where your faith is at? Are you hoping in the millennium, a thousand years of perfection, where we don't have Republican or Democrat or communist? We have Jesus ruling and reigning forever. Our hope, right, in the final battle. Where once and for all, Jesus will have his battle with Satan. It won't be great. It won't be dramatic. Christ will simply speak and he'll be gone for all of eternity. Family, where is your faith? Where is your hope? If your faith is just simply in the government, in a vaccine or no vaccine, some millionaire or no millionaire, it's going to be weak because the person or the thing that is in it is weak. But if our faith and our hope is in Christ, it's immovable. Whether life or death comes to us. That's the great thing about the hall of faith. It doesn't only tell us of the great men of faith like Enoch that he didn't have to die. It also tells us of Abel who was murdered by his own brother. Right? We have to be ready for whatever the Lord gives us. That's a true man of faith. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. And the reminder for us, our walk with God is not completely accounted for it's not completely scripted as some would like to say second corinthians chapter four and we'll see the same common theme whenever faith and hope is spoken about he also tells us to have endurance to not give up to not lose heart have faith have hope hey don't lose heart have endurance second corinthians chapter four verse 16 through 18 let's start in verse 7 We'll read verse 7 through 18. It tells us, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, 
but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, right, because of these things, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Christian, I hope that you have not lost sight of the reality of being a Christian. That our life, our walk, our view is not only in what we can see. But it's in the unseen, it's in the eternal, it's in the heavenlies, it's in the principalities and powers that are running around this planet causing all chaos and protecting us from all chaos. What are you looking to? What are you chasing after? What are you feeding on? Well, we see it's temporary. It's going to go. Our bodies, they're dying every single day. But if you're in Christ, if you're feeding on his word, you're being renewed spiritually, which is far greater and far more important. A.R. Fowl says, he says, by faith alone, we are sure of eternal things that they are. But by hope, we are confident that we shall have them. Family, that's where we need to be. Faith alone, it's sure that those eternal things, they are out there, they exist. They're out there. God is out there. But hope, that's what makes us confident that we shall one day have them. Christian, I hope you haven't lost sight. This life is not just by living of what you see, of the news, of the stock market. This life is really being obsessed with the eternal, with the unseen, with the things that sometimes don't make any sense. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. And here in Romans we get another encouragement of not being focused on what we see, but being focused on what we do not see. Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it tells us, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Again, family, we can lose track. That's why we're reminded, hey, you need perseverance. You need patience. You need long-suffering and being focused in the hope. You need patience. You need long-suffering to be focused in living the life of faith. But hopefully your body, your inward man, it's groaning to be together with Christ. I hope that's where you're at because then it really shows the love you have for him inwardly. Right? Hopefully a husband and a wife, when they're on good terms and they haven't seen each other in a long time, man, I can't wait to see you, right? If they're on bad terms, hey, I can't wait to see you, right? 
But if you're just madly in love with someone, you haven't seen them in a long time, there is a hope, a desire. I can't wait till I see them again face to face. And that's what the life of a believer is supposed to be like, living by faith and not by sight. We go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. It tells us, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. This is so powerful for us. This, it breaks me every time I think about this. A.R. Fawcett, he says, as those still living and giving their powerful testimony to the reasonableness and excellence of faith. They're not merely the ancients as though they were a people solely of the past. No, they belong to the one and the same blessed family as ourselves. That's the way we should look at Abraham, right? We shouldn't just sing, Father Abraham had many sons, right? And we think about the others. No, we are a part of him. Man, great, 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 great grandpa Abe, right? He's a part of our family. And as we read the book of Hebrews, as you read the word of God, that's one of the great reasons to go through the Old Testament. Is because as you see these men and women do things, they're calling out to us to say, hey, you can do it. You can do it. It's as if Abraham's sitting in the corner during our Thanksgiving meal and he's saying, hey, Zach, how are you doing? You can do it. I gave it all up and it was worth it. Zach, you can do the same thing. It's as if David, you wake up in the morning and you're waking, making your coffee and David's sitting at the dining room table saying, hey, how are you doing? Are you going to seek him? Are you going to read some of the songs I wrote, right? Are you going to seek him this morning? Are you going to look at him? What giants are you running towards simply because they have defamed the name of the Lord? This is our cloud of witnesses. This is our family that stands as a testimony to say, hey, you can do it. Because we did it. We made it. Even though it cost us our lives. Even though it may have cost us our family. Even though it may have cost us fame on this planet. We were looking to things which we could not see. We were looking to our eternal homes, which are not made with hands on this earth, but made with God's and Christ's hands. This is the elders that obtained a good testimony, a good witness. The author of Hebrews, he's reminding these people, and he's reminding us, hey, this is our heritage. These are the incredible men and women who, through their relationship with God, did the impossible. Right, And I don't know what your heritage looks like. I'm blessed. I have an incredible heritage. And I look to my dad. I look to my grandpas on both sides. And I look at the men of God they were, the men of family they were, the men of no fear and boldness that they were. And that puts me to shame and saying, Zach, you got to step it up. You got to do more. And now as we slowly but surely go through the book of Hebrews, as we look at these men and women, they should put us to shame where we say, you got to do more you got to do more. This is our heritage. Chuck Smith, he says, the good report was that their faith was a witness of their relationship with God. The good report was that their faith was a witness of their relationship with God. Again, family, what's the witness of your relationship with God? That you're carnal? That you like to take advantage of him and he does all the work so you can have all the fun? That you're a hypocrite, right? What, what's the report of your relationship with God? Their faith, their report, we see it. They were willing to give it all 
for Christ because that's how much they loved him, right? Husbands, hopefully you're willing to give your lives for your wife, right? For your family. Even in this season, this test, I hope I can be frank with you, this small test that we've gone through on this planet, hopefully it's revealing to you what you thought you could handle and reality of what you can handle, right? Hopefully it's that mirror, that thermometer that you're saying, Lord, you're saying it's going to get worse than this? You're saying this is just the birth pangs, the baby hasn't come yet, right? Lord, you're saying this is just the start, this is just the beginning? Lord, I need to, I need to seek you more, Lord. I got I to gotta be deeper in you because you say I'm supposed to be an overcomer and not a coward. So, Lord, how am I going to deal with things when they get worse and worse and worse? And the joy for us is what? You go through the book of Hebrews and there's a ton of cowards here, right? A ton of people that didn't obey God the first time or the second time or the third time. And yet they're here in this hall of faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You see, God has created all that we see by what? His mere thought and his mere words, right? He simply spoke it into existence. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 33. We'll look at verse 6 through verse 8. And it tells us, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And again, were you there? I wasn't there, right? So the way we take this, the way we grow from this, the way that our bodies are blessed by this, it's by... Faith, right? Faith in God, faith in this creator that is not only see the creator of heaven and earth, but now he's our Abba. He's our daddy. Now that's a blessed hope. Another way one of the scholars painted faith is the organ we have to trust and see the Lord, right? And it tells us in verse 3, back to Hebrews 11, that it's by faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Many, not many, but some pastors, or I guess many pastors, take this out of context and they say that it was by faith that God created the heavens and the world. So you just need faith and you can create your own Bentley, right? Or your own Lamborghini or your own health or your own wealth, right? And it's taken out of context. It's not by faith that he created it. It's by faith that we're able to understand it. And that's what we need to seek the Lord more and more and trust him. None of us were there to be able to see him. It takes faith, right? So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There's a bunch of ways to look at this. Listening to Joe Foge, it's a little bit above my pay grade, right? But he goes into depth about atoms and molecules and subatomic particles, right? And how we can't see any of these things and yet our whole world is built up by these atoms, molecules, and subatomic particles to the point that the different scientists that were studying subatomic particles, they didn't want to go any deeper because they knew it demanded a creator. They knew it. 
There is no other way to just say, boom, this exploded with this perfect atom, this perfect neutron, electron, proton. It's not possible just by some chance of an explosion that these things would happen. It demands a creator. Again, God did not create it or move it with his faith. No, he just said it with his words and it happened. It happened. And family, faith, it doesn't always contradict reason, but usually the more we examine, the more we see the complexity of this world, the more it begs for an intelligent design and creator. So again, don't always think, oh, I go out on faith and it's just a blind faith, right? I just go out on blind faith and that's what God desires. No, that's not what God desires. God desires a relationship and a friendship with him, that our faith is in him, in his character, in who he was and is and always will be. It's not a blind faith. It's a faith in a relationship with a perfect father. Verse 4, we get the first character that we see here by faith, right? Verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. We can turn to Genesis chapter 4, and this is where we see in history uh, the biblical story of Cain and Abel, right? Genesis chapter 4, and a lot of these are, are very short, and yet the author of Hebrews, he expounds on them. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, it tells us, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So again, we see here that just because you have faith, just because God is pleased with you, doesn't mean wealth and health and a perfect life. Abel's faith in God got him murdered, got him killed. And we read this and we should know that it was not simply meat versus vegetables. Although I do cite on the meat side, right? It's not just simply meat versus vegetables in this sacrifice. But Abel's sacrifice was made in faith. Saying, Lord, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your goodness. But God, here's my absolute best. And Lord, if you bless it, I have done nothing to deserve this. But Cain's sacrifice was based in his works being good enough. I worked this land. I worked these vegetables. I pulled it from my own hands. So God has to bless it because of all my good works. You see, that's why God said, no, Abel's sacrifice is greater. And then, yes, it points to how a lamb has to be slaughtered when we sin. That blood needs to be shed for sins. And Christ came, going through the book of Hebrews, Christ came to offer that sin sacrifice once and for all because he is the perfect sacrifice. So again, Cain and Abel, it was by faith that Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. 
family, how do we become righteous? Faith in Christ Jesus. He's our righteousness. Our righteousness isn't that I come to church or I don't come to church. Again, be in prayer for this next season that we're in. Righteousness doesn't come in wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or wearing a face shield or not wearing a face shield or wearing a scuba mask or not wearing a scuba mask, right? That's not where your righteousness is in. Our righteousness is based on Christ Jesus and his work on the cross. And now our faith, when it's in him, hey, it's our hope. It's a blessing. Our faith is in something strong and important. And then it tells us at the end of verse 4, right? And through it, he being dead still speaks. Again, family, faith in God is not going to always lead to a perfect life or always what we want happening. He died. He was murdered. Having faith and having a relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 It tells us, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You can turn to Genesis chapter 5. Enoch, he's a pretty mysterious character. You're going to see there's even less spoken of him than there is of Abel and Cain. But in Genesis chapter 5... Verse 21, it tells us Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Again, by faith. By faith, Enoch's relationship with God was so close That he pleased God to the point that God said, hey, man, you don't got to die. Just come up here with me. That's how closely knit Enoch and the Lord were in their walk together. You can be reminded of Revelation chapter 4. You don't have to turn there, but Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, the King James Version says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are And were created. You see, Enoch pleased God to the point where God just said, hey, come up here. Come up here. We're so close. Our relationship is so tight. Man, just come up here. Enoch slowly disappeared. And you could see God's touch on his life more and more. Again, family, who do people see in you? Who do people see in you? Do they more and more see Christ? Or are they seeing that stinking sinner that we look at in the mirror? Who do people see in your life? Again, Enoch's walk and relationship pleased God so much. And it's by faith that we have this relationship and this closeness with God. And then verse 6, it goes right in line with verse 5. Because then he tells us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, by faith, Enoch pleased God to the point that he didn't have to taste death. So now it's warning us, hey, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Again, it's not that, hey, it's hard or it's difficult to please God without faith. It's, hey, this is impossible. 
You cannot please God if you don't have faith. And that's why it's so dangerous for us. And it's dangerous for me. I love analytics. I love numbers. Why? They don't lie, right? So I can just look at my walk with God. I can just look at my family, my marriage, my bank account, and say 2 plus 2 equals this equals this, and no time for God, right? This percent plus this percent, my paycheck. God, you want 10 percent? Man, doesn't work. The math does not compute. And we can do that in so many aspects of our lives, our health, our time. They want me to serve. They want me to go to church more than once. They want this. They want that. God, you want this. You want that. It doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. Family, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It is just not possible. And what are the two things that we need to believe in, that we need to have faith in because we can't see him? One is that we need to believe that God exists. That he is, that he's there. And next is that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I know not you guys, but some people believe that, hey, God, he existed in this close-knit relationship with people in the Old Testament and people in the New Testament. But that's it. God simply doesn't talk to us like that anymore. That's really a dangerous place to be. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 kind of says the opposite, right? That the only way we can please him, the only way we can please the author and finisher of our faith, the only way we can please our Abba, our daddy, right? How many sons and daughters love to hear their parents say, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. Hey, you did a good job, right? You want to hear that from the Lord. You have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And now, if you really believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, What should that cause you to do? Diligently seek him. That you're running hard after him. You're saying, Lord, I want to learn more about you. Lord, I want to wake up early and read your word. Lord, I want to study your word. I want to be a Berean because I know that you're going to reward me. And what does he reward us with? Himself. He rewards us in this friendship and relationship with him, right? As Proverbs tells us, there's a friend that sticks closer than any brother, right? Speaking of Jesus, he wants to be closer to you than any other family member. William R. Newell, he says, These two elements seem the most simple, but alas, how many professing Christians act as if God were not living, and how many others, though seeking after him, are not expecting from him as rewarder. Again, does our life show that we believe he exists? Sometimes Christians, they like to say, hey, I'm the perfect example of a Christian because look at all the grace of God on my life, right? I cuss like a sailor, but God is gracious, so look at how gracious and good God is. Anybody can be saved. That's not what it's showing. What it's showing is you don't really think he's there in the room next to you, right? You don't really think that there's judgment, that every word that we say will be held before God in heaven with you standing right there next to him, right? Do you believe he exists? Do you believe he's there with you? How different we treat people when other people are in the room, right? When you're about to have a conversation with your wife and your mother-in-law walks in, maybe you talk to her a little differently, right? Or your friend or your coworker. How do we treat them? Do we, are we truly treating them as if God is in every room? That Christ is dwelling inside of us when we're watching the things we watch and listening to the things we listen to? 
The men and women who struggle with pornography or gossip. Are you truly living as if God exists and he's there with you? Right? We need to do that. The next question is, if without faith it's impossible to please him, what steps of faith are we taking? Things which are not seen, right? A hope in something we can't see. Have you ever made a step of faith for the Lord? Right? I wrote down, what crazy things have you done for the Lord lately? When was the last time you did something crazy for the Lord? Because if your answer is never, if your answer is I don't remember, my friend, you can't please him like that. You can't please him without taking steps of faith, without living by faith like Enoch, like Abel. Now we look at verse 7, right? Who was a great man of faith? It was Noah. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. If someone did something crazy for the Lord, it's Noah. He was warned of something that had never happened before, right? And yet he lived it out. First Peter, it tells us that he was a proclaimer of the truth, that he was a pastor. Right? One of the pastors I was listening to he said, hey, the first thing that Noah built was a pulpit. And then after that, he started building the ark. Because every day as he was building the ark, he would stop and he would share the gospel. Every day as he's building the ark, as the animals are coming, he's warning them, hey, judgment is coming. The rain is coming. What's the rain, right? Hey, what's the rapture? What's the tribulation? What's the mark of the beast? What's a, hey, it's coming. It's, it's never happened before, but hey, it's coming. Get ready. Get prepared. Judgment is coming. And he lived it, not just his own self, and say, hey, my kids do what they want. Their walk is their own. No, the whole family was involved in it, right? Those kids. We can almost... Say, those poor kids, right? All the other kids around there, they're having fun. They're doing whatever they want. What are Noah's kids doing? Come on, son, let's build the ark. Dad, what is this thing again? What did you call it again? A, bo- a boat, an ark. What is that, Dad? What is the thing that's coming that we've never seen before? Rain? Dad, we live in basically perfection, right? Dad, there's water everywhere. There's mist everywhere. What do you mean we need rain or rain is coming? He did crazy things for the Lord. He was the only righteous man in the entire planet, right? And we struggle. I'm at the barber shop. They showed me something. What am I supposed to do? I just feel bad. I have pena, right? No, man, we need to be on fire for the Lord. Take steps of faith. Truly be willing to give our lives up for the sake of the gospel. Again, he became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Family, it takes faith to please God. It takes faith to step into the relationship and friendship with God. It takes faith to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It takes faith to believe in heaven. But guess what? It's not just one and done. Every day it takes faith to say, Lord, I want to please you. Lord, this morning I believe you exist. And I believe that you're going to reward those who diligently seek you. So, Lord, this morning, I want to diligently seek you.